0: Welcome to the 35th episode of the Baseball HQ Eyes Have It podcast with your hosts Brent Hershey and me, Chris Blessing. We've got a big episode for you today. Brent checks in on some White Sox prospects. And I scout two of the top three strikeout pitchers this season in the Eastern League, which is double-A. Uh, Brent, how was your Independence Day? Yes, uh, it was fairly low-key. We're recording this on
1: Monday, uh, July 4th. Uh, nothing, nothing big and fancy. Took the dog to a uh, big outdoor gated dog park and, uh, so she could run around, and she's currently sleeping uh, at my feet. So uh,
0: that, that was good. That was a good thing for that. Uh, how about you? Just relaxing by my friend's pool all day. Uh, I came home around, I guess, 5 o'clock and uh, ate dinner, cooked dinner, ate dinner, and then uh, rushed uh, to scout some players since I haven't had a chance to this week. Right. Nice. Um, Brent, so Brent got out to a ballpark this week. I didn't, and if you remember last week, Brent said he was going to go to Wilmington, and right after we got off air, he was like, oh, Winston-Salem's coming, but, you know, you already saw them, Chris, and what else? You know, we don't really need to go see him, and I was like, Colson Montgomery's there now, and Colson Montgomery will not be playing near me, so that's a big deal. That's the first-round pick from last season for the White Sox. So, um, Brent, uh, I know we're going to kind of start this a little differently this time. Um, we are going to talk about the importance of defense. Uh, it's not surprising that Brent wants to talk about defense after watching some White Sox prospects. Uh, not <laughs> not to say that the White Sox are uh, bad at defense, but uh, I will say that watching White Sox Layers, uh, they tend to like types, and I don't know if it's that they feel like they can teach defense. They don't necessarily do a good job. If you look at the major league club right now, a lot of those guys came from elsewhere. So um, it's always interesting to see how the White Sox put together their ball clubs. Anyway, Brent, the importance of defense
1: for this specific game was it one game, and and uh, when you when you go into these games and you're trying to uh, evaluate players, especially guys for the first time, uh, you know, defense is always kind of hit or miss because it's always depending. I mean, first of all, that you got to hope that the player you want to see is not DHing, And then second of all, if he's playing in the field, you want to see some, you know, a wider range of plays. If you, if you can, some routine stuff, some kind of harder to get to uh, balls, whether they're playing in the infield, the outfield, I mean, catching the whole nother, a uh, whole other thing, of course. Um, and it just happened that uh, in this game, I got a pretty good look at a couple of the, uh, of the top guys that we were checking out. And um, because I think, you know, back in the day, um, there was a time when a lot of us fantasy players didn't have much time or much it- interest in defense. Um, you know, we think, I think it's been clear that kind of over the years that that's, developed and i think it's been we've incorporated more into our evaluations uh for fantasy players because uh major league teams you know care about defense most of them um uh, as uh, yeah as a phillies fan i'm saying that of course but uh they because they uh you know they deem a player worthy of whatever sticking at shortstop uh and if he hits uh you know that's, that's one level of fantasy value if that same player uh has to move to left field then the bat has to carry him more to to be a starting player, um, and of course, while that player could be valuable in fantasy, depending, um, you know, it's an easier to fill position. Of course,
0: uh, all that all that to say. So yeah, so um, you know, just to kind of get onto this point a bit, uh, when I go and scout games, you know, most of the time, of course, since my my pedigree is fantasy baseball coverage and fantasy prospect coverage to be specific. Uh, I've gotten into the habit of when I have a video camera that is not being utilized. Uh, let's say, uh, for instance, this Wednesday, I'm I'm probably going to go watch some Astros prospects. And uh, the guys that I'm concerned with are either on the mound or left-handed hitters. So that leads uh, leaves me with a... You know, not having to have a camera on the right hand uh, hitting open side. Uh, so it's a perfect opportunity for me to maybe put a camera on a defensive player. And that's something like you really don't see teams do. Um, and I think there's one or two teams out there that do that. Um, but I, I've kind of gotten into a habit of it, especially from uh, covering uh, prospects for the draft because, again, people, you know, they, they might filter in seven or eight different scouts, but to, who knows if you are lucky enough to get a good defensive game. So, like, for instance, I've watched a lot of a guy that I think we've talked about on here, but I know I've talked about in an article, uh, Von Grisham, uh, this mm-hmm. year, who's a shortstop prospect for the Braves. Right. And at this point, I'm not... I I'm, I'm haven't been wowed at all by his shortstop play. Um, do I think he has the athleticism to play the position? Sure. Do I think he has the hands to play the position? Uh, I believe so as well. My issue with it is I haven't seen the ranginess um, per se. I haven't seen him uh, move smoothly on balls in, which everybody knows is really important for a shortstop, especially – Uh, in today's game with the shifts and and whatnot, to be able to charge in on a ball at first step. So I'm kind of not as bullish as some other people are on Von Grisham. Um, Even though I love the contact, I love love his hitting ability, I just don't know which position he plays. And he's not as attractive as a second baseman uh, or even a third baseman, although I don't know if the power will be there for him to you know kind of carry that position per se uh but again like a good enough athlete who should be good at shortstop but then again i'm not really sold on him yet um so you know this is a perfect segue here into the next part of this which is your evaluations of a player uh, of two players specifically um, yeah. The first one's a guy that we talked about on episode 28 after I saw him. And yeah. he's a third baseman from the uh, White Sox organization. And I, I've been lucky enough to have a 2021 and a 2022 look. So this additional 2022 look maybe finally kind of closes our evaluation of the guy. And that's Brian Ramos, uh, power hitting um, third base prospect. Uh, Brent, first off, what did you think about him at the plate? Yeah. Uh, I
1: was uh, impressed as, as you were, as you talked about on, on the, on that, that episode 28. Um, this, you know, a lot of the same things that, uh, that you noticed. And I, this was after I took my notes together. I went back and listened to your thing and I was like, yep, we pretty much said the same thing. You know, uh, saw his BP. I uh, loved his kind of short, compact swing. Um, real good hand eye coordination. It looked like to me pitch recognition. Um, there was during the game, he worked the counts well, um, made some kind of in at that adjustments, um, you know, really a strong build. And like you had mentioned, there not a lot of projection left uh, there, but a but a strong hitter, I think, six two uh, something like that. So in the, in the game, he was one for three with a walk, um, included a uh, really long major league fly ball. Uh, to the outfield, you know what would qualify as a hard hit ball, and then took a took a uh, an outside corner fastball and just drove it out to right field. I mean, it was a, a went for a home run, one of those where the you know ball just kept carrying. Um, it was a it was a warmer night, but not but not crazy hot, um, but it uh, definitely carried him. And then after the walk, after the home run, uh, the next at bat is last at bat. You could tell that they were. Uh, the pitchers from Baltimore were, you know, busting him inside, not letting him get his arms extended. Um, he battled the whole at bat, and you know, didn't give in and basically uh, took a walk there. Um, so it was uh, it was, uh, yeah, a really interesting and good uh, look at the the hit tool for sure. And I think there's some some promise there.
0: It's always good to get a get a look where the guys work in the opposite field. Uh, I didn't necessarily get all of that when I saw him. Yeah. So it's good to see him being able to uh, loft the ball out to right center field, uh, yeah. which is unusual in today's game. Uh, most of these hitters are, pull, are so pull conscious with their power yeah. that when you do see a ball fly out to right center field, you, you do take a little extra note to it. Um, so of course, we started this segment with about defense yeah. and now we're going back to defense because Brian Ramos has a lot of question marks whether he can play third or not. Uh Brett, yeah, what did you say?
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh he just uh to me didn't really look comfortable over there. Um in the first inning, he he flubbed a foul pop up. Um you know, this should have been an easy out, uh bounced off his glove and I I think uh, I think that bat, that bat ended in a hit, um, for them. Uh, there were several times with kind of with runners on where he got, uh, you know, he got grounders to him and he feels them cleanly, but always look, always look kind of tentative. Um, you know, so I wondered about, uh, his decision-making, um, there were times, there was an odd time where he sort of had a, had a chance, had runners on first and second, um, got a ball to his left, kind of brought him into the runner, and th- there were less than two outs, and it would have been a perfect, like, double play ball. Um, but instead, he kind of ran down the runner between second and third, got the out. Um, you know, but just, it was sort of an a, an odd play that way. Uh, there was a couple couple other times where his release was, was slow, um, pulled a guy off the bag, and, and a, a quick runner beat it. It just didn't look natural <laughs> or like a, he was comfortable there. Whether the you know whether the game was speedier uh, for him at this level or whether it was just a bad night, but it just definitely uh, stuck out of of someone that either was kind of uh, either overthinking a little bit or just not just not quite ready or able to kind of make the plays he needed to.
0: Yeah, that is interesting. That's something that that of course I think I've heard mostly about from scouts that were in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, where there was some worry of there. I, I, I didn't really feel like he was particularly comfortable in my two looks that I've had. Uh, and then, it, 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 then what you run into at this point is he's a right-on-right hitter. Yeah. And uh, the next logical position for him would be first base. And again, there's a higher ceiling that a guy needs to essentially get to for him to be able to carry that sort of offensive uh, production. So yeah. what's usually projected as maybe top 10 production at third base might be top 15 to top 20. Um, do you feel like in your look, uh, I, I think I've already answered this in my uh, little spiel from earlier this year, but uh, do you feel like he has what it takes to be maybe a top uh, 15 first baseman um, if he does slide over to first base eventually
1: I, I think that's I think there's an outside chance of that I don't know that I would go much higher than that but I do really like the bat a lot um, like I said the the kind of combination of power potential is that is there along with um, along with the good you know ability to adjust and the pitch recognition skills say that you know, as he continues to grow, he's still a young guy. Um, you know, if he continues to add on, it's possible that more strength could come and, and uh, you know, that'll continue to feed his axe velocity hard hit, uh, you know, distances, all that together. Um, so, yes, I think in that range is possible. Um, you have to see kind of what his, you know, what his footwork and glove work, is like around the bag because that that'll also be a part of the equation at first base of course um and uh you know and i think that that is possible given some of the reservations i had where it looked to me more have to do with kind of having to make those quick decisions at third base uh comfortably and being able to kind of execute that um so perhaps so perhaps he could make that transition to uh, first base. I mean, I, th- I do think the thing with him is because he's so young and if, if he can, if he has any more bulk um, you know, it's, it's not someone that you would traditionally think is going to be a fit in the outfield. Yeah. So I think it's a first base or, uh, or even a, you know, first base DH kind of hybrid problem. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't
0: have him. Uh, moving to the outfield, I don't see it. Um, I have him as an 8D right now um, in my internal um, mm-hmm. turtle spreadsheet. I think that's fair. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Yeah, I think that's about that's about right for for now. And of course, I mean he's he's still very young. Um, you know, this is his first yeah. uh, year of full season ball, and so uh, I think a rating like that uh, is very. Is very valid at this
0: point in his development. Yeah. As of right now, he's either the two or three best uh, White Sox uh, position prospect for fantasy. Yeah. Um, and that's a really good segue because I think we're going yeah. to the number one guy, uh, which yeah. is the recently promoted shortstop. He uh, was a first round pick out of uh, Indiana Prep School. Uh, and that's Colson Montgomery, the left-handed hitting uh, um, extraordinaire. Uh, has had yeah. a great season so far. What did you get to see in your look at in Aberdeen?
1: Yeah, uh, I was. It was interesting to see him. Uh, the the one thing that was curious to me is that uh, he didn't take batting practice, and so um, while he was on the field doing some infield drills, uh, never got in the cage uh, on the field anyway that day. And so uh, I started having all these flashbacks of all these other top guys I went to see that weren't in the lineup that day uh, because I hadn't had the lineup at that point. Uh, but in fact, those those uh, fears were quelled because I got the lineup and he was in it, uh, bat in second. Um, so that was good. Um, but yeah, you certainly can can see the appeal in the bat. He's uh, a tall. Uh, what is he six six four one eighty at this point? Lanky. Um, still some room to fill out um, there to add to add strength that I don't think is going to slow him down. He looks the part kind of in the batter's box. Um, you know he's tall, uh, starts with his knees slightly bent and you know a slightly open stance. Um, really a similar kind of swing and and set up as as like Corey Seeger, uh is, you know, I'm not comparing the players, but just watch, That's,
0: I watching, watching his video, this is this is a very young Corey Seeger. Corey Seeger yeah. was a guy that that came through Chattanooga, which is double A, um, as yeah. twenty year old. And mm-hmm. of course Montgomery is what, uh he turns twenty he turned twenty this year. He turned twenty, 20. this year. So um so yeah he's an older high school grad. So um but yeah very similar swing plane. Um I think that's a good observation there. But go yeah. on.
1: Yeah, in the game he was uh one for four. He had homered uh the night before there. Um so there wasn't anything spectacular about his one for four. Um struck out on a fastball up 93 is first at bat. Um he grounded out hard to, uh, to first base in a second at bat on a, on, uh, where in the bat where he took two sliders that looked like he was kind of off and really adjusted to the, the, the pitcher tripled up on it. Uh, and he really hit it hard, but grounded, uh, hard out the first. Um, then also grounded out the second. And then his, uh, fourth at bat was really the most impressive. Started out uh oh two uh he worked it to two two and then just took a real nice balanced swing for an RBI single uh into right field. Um in the middle of there to get back to 2-2 you know he had two really good takes on changeups that were just off the plate. Um again for a young player like that to have that sort of uh plate discipline uh you know I think I thought was uh you know just something worthy of of noting. Um, so I think you know again the able to you know, the ability to kind of to change his approach or to adjust kind of in bat um, he has a good eye and, and some hard hit uh, some hard hit possibilities in uh, in his profile uh, made the made the the batting part of of his uh, evening exciting.
0: I had watched a bunch of video prior to coming on air tonight just to kind of see him. And it's a very flat, linear swing at this point, which is kind of what the scouting reports out of the draft had said. And uh, You know, usually with these type of guys, you want to see them later on as they're getting to, uh, you know, a, a steeper trajectory. Uh, but this guy, unlike some of the other uh, prospects that have come through the White Sox organization has this underlying hit tool and this underlying approach that you don't yeah. normally see. Uh, I, I think the, the best comp um, of a guy that they might have tried to develop uh, was a gentleman that they acquired in a trade with the Yankees, which is uh, uh, Blake Rutherford uh similar oh, yeah. older older high school guy type deal. Mm-hmm. Uh obviously Colson looks to be much more advanced than uh Rutherford was when he was in low A and high A. I, I think I wrote him up for our site for low A. Um yeah. and then it kind of all went downhill after I wrote him up. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But anyway, uh you know so this is a type that you know really the only guy I can think of that that kind of fits this type that they've had didn't necessarily develop into the guy that they were envisioning. So a little concerning, but then again, I think Montgomery's hit tool is, is as advertised. And I think we're seeing it has transferred over to uh, pro ball. Uh, I know that you have some questions about his defensive ability. Uh, I know that when he got drafted, I had a kind of a split between, Uh, guys that liked him at short and others that did not necessarily like him at short. Uh, I I know that you saw several chances uh, for Montgomery. What did you think?
1: Yeah, I have, I have some questions too. And I was kind of, you know, a little bit surprised, uh, especially when the first couple of them unfolded, I was like, Oh, I thought he would have been able to make that play given, um, you know, given what I had, read about him uh the athleticism that you can see there um and they weren't necessarily bad errors um throughout the night but it was it was it was kind of the plays that i would think that a a major league shortstop prospect should make some of them you know i was surprised that the range wasn't quite there or the reaction time you know it was a time when a a ball was hit just you know on a short hop to his left um that he just kind of stabbed that one off his glove Um, and those are the type of kind of reaction and sort of instinctual plays um, a couple times that I uh, that I was surprised that he didn't make um there were you did make a couple good plays uh coming in on the ball you had talked about that in the opening there was a couple of kind of uh softer plays that came in on the run a quick release um it looked really good um but kind of playing off the shift and and a couple of these other harder hit balls uh I just was surprised that um yeah just surprised that he didn't make those um was had had the chance to turn one double play um and was a, just a tick slow on there now that was a it was a fast runner um but not a not a burner burner and I just uh it seemed like yeah it seemed like the release was just a bit behind what it needed to be um so, you know, I think, I think about that. Like, do you think about, uh, like, where would he move? And naturally, he's a 6'4 guy with a big uh, developing bat. Again, they hope to add some power to, uh, you'd say, well, he could just slide over to third base. I mean, I, that could be uh, a possibility, uh, although I, you know, I wonder about kind of the quick reaction plays that I saw, kind of a lack of first step. Um, you know, you definitely want to be, Definitely want a third baseman there that has those skills. Um, And again, you know, just again, off just this one look, I'm not 100 percent convinced uh, that's possible. Um, Certainly, if if he moves further down the down the spectrum, uh, he would seem like he would have enough athleticism to kind of uh, hold down an outfield spot. But, uh, you know, that's probably a, a good bit down the road. But again, the main thing being uh, for a first round pick like that, that some of the reports said uh, was a, you know, was a very good defender. Uh, actually seeing him in action and seeing him get a couple chances like this, uh, I came away with a bit of a different
0: uh, viewpoint. Yeah, and that's one, one thing that's hard to scout off a video is uh, defensive prowess. I really don't have much to add except for I did have one or two contacts that were a little a little bit um, thought that he might end up in the outfield eventually, which uh, I kind of heard about Corey Seager at the same kind of uh, junction of his career. Corey course, Seager yeah. has been a very solid shortstop. So Montgomery is a player that is going to be given time to develop whether he sure. becomes a shortstop, a third base. I mean, that's, and, and that was the thing with uh, Seager too, is they thought that he would move off of shortstop and right. he's been a shortstop. Yeah. I mean, they, now, with the Rangers and, and fits there fine. And another just very good, interesting player that they have in their farm system. And clearly, clearly their top prospect. So, um, yeah. looking forward to him. What, what would be your rating on him right now?
1: Uh, I think uh, right now, bec- uh, because of the defensive questions. Uh, probably an eight, probably an eight C something like that. Um, or, or yeah, eight C nine D in that range. is what I would, I would probably think. I mean, it really depends. Again, you can, you can see it in the, in the hit, in the box. Uh, if he develops, if he gets stronger and develops more power, there's a lot to like there, um, you know, enough to hold down, um, you know, even a corner outfield spot. Uh is it a is it a nine kind of elite uh group? I'm not sure that I've quite seen that yet, but um but you know, he's twenty years old and that's and there's time. So that's yeah.
0: I, I think I, I threw say. a nine I think I threw a nine E on him this last offseason. Uh I should have his prospect report up, but I don't uh, of course. <laughs> but uh I, I kind of see it around an eight C as well. Um again is this going to be a difference making shortstop or is this going to be somebody who moves over to third base or the outfield and of course you know the the prospects aren't as great for me if he's off of a premier position like shortstop so uh who knows it could be a nine uh nine d by the end of the season or even a nine c depending on how how he continues to handle high a and shows his uh ability to make uh, adjustments. So uh yeah. that's awesome. That's some really good white socks looks for you. Um I guess it's time for me to move on to my stuff. But before we do that, um we're gonna take a quick break. You know, listen to a promo from HQ Radio. Hey eyes have it listeners. Patrick David here from the Baseball HQ Radio Podcast. This week's pod is another great Friday full edition featuring an expert interview with Mike Gianella from Baseball Prospectus discussing the in-season mistakes fantasy managers make with starting pitchers and relievers. We also discuss his fab analysis reports at Baseball Prospectus, his Doubt Wars team from the Memorial Day Tout Mock Draft, and his Boons and Banes, plus all the usual great stuff. Our National League and American League news analysis and our Baseball HQ commentaries. Check it out, Mike Gianella, on this week's Friday Full Edition on the podcast with Fantasy Baseball Intelligence for winners. It is Baseball HQ Radio. It's available now, and I hope you'll join us.
1: Thanks to Patrick for uh, filling us in on HQ Radio. Do check that out. Um, so, Chris, uh, you took a look at some double A pitchers uh in the eastern league i did um, i did
0: i i i Brent, i looked at the strikeout leaders yeah, uh, and that's well, how i determined who i was going to uh talk about today and guess well, who was number one on the strikeout leaderboard
1: well i i know that it was logan t allen because you told me that already yeah Someone you're, that, you're uh, supposed that, to that,
0: our our favorite shorter stature left hander throwing the ball uh somewhere in the, Five foot four release point range, uh, uh, who the just range. got called up to Triple A, and that right. so that Good I I mean that's a, a kudos to him. He got called up with another favorite of the show, uh, uh, Zay Curry, Xavion Curry. He, they both got right. called up to Triple A, so <laughs> one step closer to the major leagues for both of those guys in the Guardians organization. But number two on that list was somebody that. I became familiar with years ago uh, a a guy that I scouted for an organization. I I, um, got to see this guy at a complex near uh, near where I live, and his name is Reese Olson. And at that time, he was uh, uh, maybe six foot, maybe 150 pounds, 140 pounds soaking wet uh but through hard there were some issues I had with his um with his the torque that he put on his uh shoulder and his elbow um and uh, he went to North Hall High School which is uh, uh northeast side of the Atlanta metro area um Hall County uh Gainesville for those um those who know their Georgia geography that is the poultry capital of the south so uh, big, th- big deal, The poultry capital of the South. And here we go. we got an arm from there. Um, currently listed 6'1", 160 is 22 years old. Um, the 160 might be a little bit low for what he actually is. Uh, but a lot of the same concerns remain with me that were there back in 2018 when I saw him before the Brewers drafted him in the 13th round. Uh, Right now, he's a Tigers prospect. He was traded last uh, summer uh, before the deadline uh, in the Daniel Norris deal. Um, So he was a guy that we uh, we covered briefly last season on our uh, trade traded uh, our deadline traded prospects uh, list, uh, especially since he went from different league. He went from the NL to the AL. So lots of arm action you know being a shorter stature guy like i said one's a little short i think he's a little heavier than 160 now but he's still very slim uh, frame there's a lot of arm action here it's a high three-quarter slot uh and there's some um there is a good bit of um arm circle here but it's cut down tremendously since since he was in high school so uh you know you can see how uh, player development most likely uh, my guess here is going to be the brewers uh, pitching development they tend to have really quick results with um, making slight or even big changes on a guy um so a little bit concerned i feel like he doesn't get to his slot all the time because it's it's such a violent really upper body delivery um throwing 92 95 this year um, a decent whiff rate, over 20%, uh, mostly arm side run, and, and and there is some ride to it. Um, my, my issue here is because the slot kind of uh, goes and comes, uh, or, or, you know, goes and comes, uh, comes and goes. The slot comes and goes. I worry about his ability to consistently throw strikes. And as of right now, his fastball has a below average to fair strike percentage, which is not good for his future as a starting pitcher. What he has improved this year. Um, while the fastball has been kind of down, it's been his secondaries, his secondaries, he's throwing at a higher strike percentage on average, uh, than his fastball His uh, uh, 82 to 86 mile per hour slider is uh, kind of an average uh, strike rate if you compared it to an average strike rate to a fastball. So it's above average for a slider. It's a tight two-plane breaker. It's best diving out of the zone into the left-hand hitter's box. Uh, this is a pitch that when he gets ahead, especially against right-hand hitters, Uh, He can induce a high above 50% whiff rate in double A. So high whiff rate comes from this pitch. Uh, The secondary that has improved the most from just watching video of him has been the changeup, which is sitting about 85 to 89. Uh, Strike rate is above 70%. um, Over 50% whiff rate. Um, It's arm side runner with some fade and some late tumble. Uh, This is a pitch that, Probably is keeping him in the conversation as a starter, especially his ability to throw strikes with it and also get swings and misses. But again, I think this pitch is only as good as that fastball command is. So this is uh, if fastball command improves and let's say gets to about average command um, and this changeup is still the same pitch that it was uh prior to the fastball getting to that average command then we're we're talking about a three pitch uh um starter most likely he also throws a curve too but it's more of a show me pitch it's 12 to 6 shape but the pitch tends to fall apart it's very shallow depth um not really a pitch that i'm thinking is going to be a part of his uh arsenal as a starter but could be something that shows up as a reliever actually um because it does um when it does when it the shape does stay together it is pretty significant break um so and it does get a high width percentage but again i think that's more of a product of just bad competition than anything so projection time I'm yeah. not necessarily the highest on Reese Olsen just because of the uh, lower strike rate. Um, I think that he's turned a corner this year. Of course, the stuff, the secondary stuff, is so much better than it was. But I think that the second half of the season is going to going to show a lot more walks. I think that now that he's been through his league one time, I think that the book will be um, will come together for him. Um, And then also his uh, home run rate, uh, he's going to give up the long ball because that fastball just lives up. Um, And, of course, if you're not commanding that pitch, you're going to bleed it over the middle of the plate. And uh, guys are going to have a field day uh, if he does that. So I think that as a starter, he's a back-end starter at best uh, to swing man maybe. Uh, to a guy that's kind of an up-down guy, I think that his final projections probably, especially with his size and the effort in his delivery, he's probably a setup reliever, possibly in the 7C range right now for potential rating. Uh, so it it it's a guy that we're watching, but not a guy that we're pushing ahead of other guys right now. Um, okay. A good note that he's striking out a lot of guys, but also... Um, you know there is some issues here, despite a walk rate that's kind of hiding that right now.
1: Yeah. Do you think that given the uh, given the kind of turmoil in the Detroit rotation with Mize and Manning gone out, um, and whether Rodriguez out for uh, for a while? Uh, I mean, is this someone that kind of end of the year might get a get a shot at some? starting i mean i i imagine the, the progression often for these guys is that their teams kind of try them as a starter uh yeah. and kind of get them you know try to let them uh let let's see what they have uh there is that something that i think think I, think we, I i
0: definitely yeah. think so brent i definitely yeah. think so especially since i believe he has to be added to the 40 man um this off season so uh, he will be a guy that is given a look. And I don't envision it to be a pretty look, uh, right. but I do envision that this is an arm that as long as his arm holds up, which obviously from just listening to Brent uh, saying that Manning's out and Mize is out, you know, the the Tigers aren't scared to go after these guys with, with some arm uh, action issues like Mize. Um, so, like, there's always this, there's a high risk, high reward type deal with a guy named guy like Reese Olson. So yes, uh, pitchers only have a certain amount of bullets, and I think the Tigers understand that. And so they're, I, I can see them trotting this guy out late to give him an audition and, and to really see how his stuff performs in the major leagues. Yeah, yeah. All
1: right, Reese Olson for the Tigers. I know the second guy uh, you want to talk about uh you have some history with too and yeah. that is hunter gattis from a right-hander from in the cleveland organization uh what can you tell us about
0: Gaddis? so the 2019 um Draft by the Guardians um, was a significant draft here in the state of Georgia. They actually pulled five players out of Georgia. They signed four of them. And three of them are guys that we've mentioned on this podcast uh, now that we're mentioning Gaddis. The first one was their first rounder, Daniel Espino, that they took out of. Uh, prep school down in uh, Statesboro, Georgia, uh, Georgia Premier. Um, And then their fifth rounder was Gaddis, who they took out of Georgia State. And then the other guy we've already mentioned once on this show uh, from Georgia Tech in the seventh round, uh, Xavion Curry. Um, So, uh, you know, three guys that look like Major League arms. I'm going to give uh, the people a preview of what a minor league baseball analyst player box might look like. Um, it will have the innings pitch, the ERA, the whip. We have a CTL, which is talking about control. We have DOM, which is essentially strike uh, strikeout to nine ratio. We have CMD, which is command, which is uh, walk to uh, strike out ratio. And of course, we have the opponent batting average in there so um you get this nice little player box but you also get these comments with it and so this is what i wrote about gaddis last year and this is partially off of video but also partially talking to um a couple uh contacts that had seen him and had had a good look at him. Uh, So he was a tall, big-bodied, right-handed pitcher with plus strike-throwing tendencies. Struggled with inconsistent command in 21. Four-pitch pitcher, low to mid-90s fastball features elite carry with plus movement especially up. Struggles hitting locations with fastball. Changeup is best secondary with separation and tumble off of fastball, but needs to refine firmness to reach plus potential. I gave him upside grade of 8C, 8E, 8E, upside grade of 8E, um, and mostly because um, of that plus carry part of his uh, mm-hmm. his arsenal. Um, and, and also the changeup. I mean, I watched the changeup. So the changeup at that point was like a mid-70s changeup. So we're talking about a guy that regularly through like 93 and he was uh you know Hmm. his change of pace was 96 or 76 77 you don't see that sort of uh um differential but that differential was a little concerning because it didn't come with any firmness and uh if you watch a change up a good change up is looks firm for at least three quarters of the pitch progression, uh, we have some like unorthodox change-ups, change-ups that we're not used to seeing, like Devin Williams of the Brewers, the reliever, uh, that maybe doesn't keep its change-up firmness all the way to the zone. And so some guys have been elevated for having better change-ups because of the type of movement they have, because people envision Devin Williams uh, and a lot of times, that's not a good thing to envision that guy. I think Devin Williams kind of stands out there alone with how good that changeup is. And while there's guys that that have been able to throw it, I think uh, uh, Simeon Woods Richardson's probably the uh, guy that I've seen the most throw a similar changeup to that. And and Gaddis kind of had that changeup last year, but just did not throw it hard enough to really matter. So anyway, let's. You know, kind of move into this year's uh, look. Um, again, six foot six, two sixty, three quarter slot. He's twenty four now, uh, pitching in Double A. Um, it's a very big body profile, strong right-handed pitcher. Uh, he is a guy that is going to. Uh, I, I mean, he's at projection right now. Let's just say it. Um, he's ready to go physically. Uh, it's a deliberate, uh, delivery. Um, it's a longer arm circle, but it works because he stays so within his, within his motion. It's a uh, nearly perfect symmetry, uh, when he's going good at times that longer arm circle will, will mess up the release point some. So, um, you know, that is something to look at. Um, in three quarter slot, uh, falls off to the first base side, um, which is a little bit concerning, of course. And I think it's one of the reasons why we've always kind of, uh, with Gattis uh, internally, have thought of him as possibly a reliever long-term. Uh, but from what I saw in this start, um, and I actually watched several starts, really, um, it, he look, he's looking more and more like a starting pitcher. Um, the high strike rate is still there. It's above 70%. So we're talking about plus to double plus strike throwing abilities. Um, he's sitting 92 to 96 with a pretty high whiff rate for a fastball and double a it's near 30%. There's some, uh, slight arm side run, but it's really the ride. It's that elite carry that we talked about in the MLBA profile from last year. Um, and he's doing a better job of keeping that ball up and letting the carry take control, and that's why the whiff rate's so high. And it's really, really causing havoc uh, against uh, anybody uh, above the um, above the waistline, really. Um, so, like, this is a guy that's also can get the strike uh, swing and miss down, but it's not going to be as plentiful, of course. Um, because the inverted uh, vertical break, it, you know, is best when it's up for for a pitcher that's throwing a four seamer like gaddis is throwing um i think the pitch that really took me by surprise this year has been his 84 to 88 slider uh has really improved the strike throwing ability of that it's near where the fastball is it actually is a tick higher percentage it's a two-plane breaker but it's not necessarily a um a Wide breaker or anything like that it does have some late drop actually some of the horizontal breaks really early in the progression, but it really you know evens out because of that late drop. I think what really benefits and gets them close to a fifty percent whiff rate on the pitch is the ability to live close to the plate with the with the slider where you can basically mix it in and out uh, of the zone where guys don't won't tend to they might you know, when he tries to get a strike over, they might just think a second that it's going to go out of the out of the zone and not offer at the pitch, and then you've got that you know scenario where he slides it a little bit further out of the zone and gets that swing and miss. So, um, and and this is a characteristic we've seen with a lot of Guardians pitchers over the years. Being able to command a slider is a hallmark of their their staff, and this is why I've kind of progressed his profile uh and you know we'll get to the potential rating in a second but it's because of the ability to throw that slider because it's giving him that third pitch at this point uh, we talked about the changeup he has actually he's actually thrown the changeup harder um sometimes it's still you know 78 79 uh but he's also thrown some 83 to 84 mile power changeups in the in the in the look that I got at the pitch. Um, We'll say he's averaging around 81 miles per hour at this point. Uh, 57% strike rate, so uh, about where a changeup is in the double A, um, high A range, um, and a really high whiff rate, um, close to 60%. It naturally has arm side run and fade. Um, It's firmer as i said this year compared to last year uh, but i believe it still needs to be firmed up and i still believe that he needs to throw it a little harder uh because once he gets up to the higher uh, levels i think that it's going to be a struggle to get guys to offer at the pitch as it drops out of the zone because it is at a lower change velocity um i do think that um What the what more speed has taken away from it is the the late tumble. There's not as much tumble to the pitch, uh, but there's still enough there that gets uh, swing and misses from double A hitters. And and I'll be honest, it's the one pitch in the major leagues that I believe gets the most swing and misses, even with a you know regular fading profile as opposed to just the tumble profile, because of um, guys cannot throw it for strikes as as even as pinpoint in the major leagues as other pitches um he also throws a curveball too 12 6 breaker um it, it's a slow curveball i i think it's really kind of an eye level changer at the next level but he's had some success bleh. he's had some success this year with the pitch um and sometimes it does have really good nat he really um spins off some Really deep curveballs um, and, and with significant break, but it's not a consistent pitch. So um, overall, I think that this guy has maybe moved up in my rankings. Again, very deep organization. Um, when he got drafted, I kind of thought of him uh, coming out of Georgia State, uh, which I, I didn't get to actually see him uh, in his draft year. I, I, I got a good look at him in 2018. Um, and then, of course, he got drafted in 2019. Uh, and I also, um, I believe I saw him when he was in high school, too. It's um, only a few counties away from me. I wasn't covering for a team at that time. Um, but I do remember his delivery. So I feel like I have a good track record with him and have always believed he'd end up um, as what now is becoming a in vogue type uh, position where um you know maybe he's a second starter on a on a team that utilizes an opener where he can get those bulk relief innings and and steal some wins um i also thought that he might be a guy that could be used as the multi inning role which the guardians have always kind of used those guys and he kind of fits that mold uh but with that slider coming into play now i think that there's a chance for a uh, um at the very best maybe an sp4 um outcome but i do believe it's a sp4 sp5 with a chance to be a um you know high leverage reliever um i think it's that good now i think his pitch mix is that good right now so um probably have him at an 8d Right now, but I could easily drop him to the seven C if if things go uh, a little awry this year. So not a hundred percent sticking to that eight D right now, right. of course. But um, yeah. but again, twenty four, um, a little old about age level for double A. I would like to see him in triple A by the end of the year. Not a guy I envision being in the major leagues uh, this year. I think we'll yeah. see a debut in twenty twenty three. Yeah, very good uh comprehensive
1: uh, look at Hunter Gaddis. Yeah, striking out the guys at uh as a double A level here, uh, but it w- will be interesting to see if he gets a chance uh later in the campaign here to how he does at triple A. So, uh thanks for that. <clears> Those <throat> uh reports on a couple Eastern League strikeout leaders. Chris, hey. what's uh well, as we conclude our show, uh, what's on tap for you this week? You mentioned, uh, what, Asheville? Asheville, yes.
0: They're coming to town. That's the high A affiliate of the Houston Astros. And I'm hoping to run into Chase McDermott, a pitcher they uh, plucked out in the fourth round in the comp- compensation part of the fourth round. Uh, the Astros draft was really different last year because of compensation and some other things. Um, yeah. So like this was a, this was their number two process or their number two pick in the draft I believe um, with uh, the the really good hitter I can't think of his name off the top of my head going before him um, but um, it's not the strongest team it's always interesting to see um, their left-handed sluggers away from McCormick Field McCormick Field's where the Asheville Tourists play it's a, yeah. it's a, and and you might be familiar with it it's the stadium they filmed Bull Durham in. Um, so, it has an extremely short, tall wall in right field. And it's something like I love putting asterisks by guys uh, like Ian Stewart from way, way, way years <laughs> yeah. ago, who hit like 44 yeah. home runs there. Uh, it's yeah. 297 down the right field line with a very, very tall wall. So, like, wow. uh, and right center is only 320. Um, and then center field is 373. So, for a left handed hitter, you're just popping a ball over the fence, essentially. Right. If you get if you get the hype there. So uh, Colin Barber will be an interesting guy that I get to go see uh, this week, a guy that has some pedigree and some noise like he's an interesting enough guy. Uh, But again, a guy that's probably benefiting more from that extremely short, tall wall and right field in Asheville. Than anything else. Um, yeah. So Brent, what do you got on your um, horizons this week?
1: Yeah, I think uh, it's probably going to be later in the week for me. Um, and I think I'm going to probably work in a trip to Jersey Shore. Uh, they are hosting Hudson Valley. That's the uh, high affiliate of the Yankees this week. Um, and again, depending on timing, uh, I'll try to chase down Uh, One of those uh, Jersey Shore pitchers, uh, and they just moved uh, a couple of the guys. Actually, one of the guys we talked about – well, two of the guys we talked about on the podcast here. They moved them up to Double A, so there will be some uh, new guys there. Uh, Johan Rojas and uh, Griff McGarry both got promoted to Reading in the past couple weeks. So there will be some new blood uh, there to check out in Jersey Shore. So looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, and you—you know—I got Hudson Valley earlier this year, so it'd be nice to get another look on Everson Pariah, and yeah. uh, Trey Sweeney. Trey Sweeney's kind of had a uh, tough season. And then there's a, a first-round pick on that team that has not really performed and that's anthony siegler uh who's taken out of georgia is catcher uh split thrower split hitter you don't normally Mm. see that and there's also some interesting arms on that team as well matt Sauer, uh tj sykema um there's also uh beck way a guy that i saw last year yondries gomez is also active uh another really good arm um uh, a guy that really popped up during the COVID season uh from his workouts prior to the season being shut down and spring training, so uh looking forward to that one brent that's a Good. that's a nice little grab uh for a July series um, yeah, anyway, thank you for joining us on this week's eyes It podcast. again, it's always a blast. Thank you to everyone who listened to this episode of the Eyes Have It podcast. We'd love to hear from you. You can ask us questions at theeyeshaveit at baseballhq.com or reach out to us on Twitter. Brent is at brenthq. And you can reach me at c underscore blessing. First time listeners to our pod, click the subscribe to get to our future episodes. And please spread the word about us too. We need as many listeners as possible to fuel my ego. So um, please help me do that. Um, Until next time, see y'all maybe at the ballpark. And Brent, I hope you have a great week. Thanks.
1: Have a great week too.